0: Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. And now let us go to the Lord in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are here today, that we can celebrate the joining of a new catechumen preparing for confirmation. We pray for all those who are discerning now on whether or not to join the catechumen, on all those who are learning the faith once delivered. Perhaps not even for the first time, but are relearning it, recommitting themselves, and joining themselves ever further to you. Bind all of our hearts together, O Lord. Remind us, O Lord, that this simple faith is so deep that we can never get to the end of its depths, because your love is unending for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever seen the world turned upside down? Perhaps you were anticipating a job offer. You were expecting to hear the telephone ring. You were even eagerly awaiting that faithful moment, knowing the day they were supposed to get back with you. But instead of getting that call, getting that offer that you thought was surely yours, you're only greeted by a letter, short, to the point, saying that you were passed by. Thank you for applying, but you're not getting that expected offer. Or maybe it's not the job. Maybe it's a promotion, Or maybe it's something different. Maybe it's a trip that you've been planning for a long time. You've been saving up, maybe even for years, or at least for months. You're ready for it to go, and then the unexpected happens. A hurricane disrupts your plans. A death happens in the family. Or the money just simply disappears due to the pressing needs of taking care of the home, taking care of the family. Regardless, your plans are suddenly canceled. It went from a surety, from what you expected to happen, to the unexpected happening. And you know what they say, the unexpected has a way of coming, well, unexpectedly. Well, Simon Peter experienced the unexpected, and we've been walking alongside him all throughout the latter half of Mark chapter 1. And Simon Peter's world is turned upside down, just only a few verses ago that we read from last Sunday in chapter 1. If you recall, when we first met Simon Peter, he was fishing with his brother Andrew. That's his livelihood. He's a fisherman. That's what he does. And then Jesus came, and he called him, drop everything and follow me. And Peter did exactly that. And since then, in the matter of just a few days, for us just a few verses, Jesus has preached his gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand to listeners nearby, and to those who are there at the local synagogue. If you remember, a, demon, me, a demoniac, a man possessed by a demon, trying to disrupt Jesus' ministry. And Peter, you've got to imagine, along with the other three disciples that Jesus has recruited, wildly watches on. Probably wondering, like, what is about to happen? And then Jesus commands the demon to come out of that. Right there in Peter's hometown synagogue. Something we often can forget that context of here we are in Peter's home. And here at his local synagogue that he's visited many a time. This is what happens. Jesus preaches with authority and everyone recognizes. You do not preach like the rabbi. You preach as though you are the one who has written this word. You have commanded a demon to come out of a man when the unexpected happened. One of the men possessed by a demon breaks forth in the middle of this congregation, surprising everyone. And yet, Simon Peter's world, it still hasn't quite fully turned upside down, at least not quite yet. But soon it will. And so let us return to Mark chapter 1, verse 29. When we hear, and immediately, there is that classic Markan way of talking, immediately, immediately he, that's Jesus, left the synagogue where he had just spoken with authority, where he had just healed the man possessed by a demon, and what happened? He entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately, there it is again, immediately they told Jesus, they told him about her. And he, that is Jesus, came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. And she began to serve them. That's a lot to take in, just within these short verses here. Not only for us, but especially for Peter. I mean, think about it for a moment. We learn that that Simon Peter is married, obviously. He has a mother-in-law. She's ill. She's bedridden in the home with a fever. And Simon Peter and the other disciples, we heard Andrew, his brother, James, and John, the other two brothers who are also called, they're all with Jesus. They've just left that synagogue and all these exciting events. And then what happens? Peter's thinking, I'm going to go home. I'll invite them to come with me. We'll probably break bread. We'll, we'll probably relax. Maybe even debrief on, Jesus, what just happened? You commanded and casted out this demon. How did you do that? How can that happen? And let's go back to your teaching, Lord. How, you're, you're saying it as though you wrote the scripture." For as far as we know, Peter hasn't yet had a moment even to go home and tell his wife about Jesus. Who, by the way, he's now following, no longer fishing. The man whom he's following after as his master, his rabbi, his teacher, and as, could it be, the Messiah, the Christ. So when Peter arrives home, anticipating, I'm going to share this good news, this gospel within his own household, he instead finds something far different. He goes to share gospel and good news and he finds darkness, he finds illness, he finds possibly even death, that ancient foe, ready to pounce and ready to derail any good news or gospel that Peter might have thought that he was going to bring into his own home. But Peter is not alone. And we are never alone. For Christ is with Peter as he is with us. He is joined by Christ Jesus himself as we have been joined to Christ Jesus in our baptism and through our faith. The author of life itself, the very word of God, who made the heavens and the earth, he enters into Peter's household. And before Satan, the author of death, can strike, Jesus, the author of life, comes into the home, goes directly where the sick woman lays, and touches her. Specifically, Jesus takes her by that weak hand and lifts her up into fullness of life. For those who are counting, Satan zero, Jesus three at this point in Mark's gospel. For Christ is the one who has defied Satan through the word that he wrote. He has defied Satan's servants, the demons, by casting them out. And he has defied Satan's tool of injustice, death, that has its ropes around our necks, and instead saved Peter's mother in law. And what she does is the call for all of us on World Mission Sunday she immediately gets up and serves them. What gracious hospitality that she has. What great love she has for her son Peter, for these new friends that he has, and not to mention for this new teacher, this rabbi, whom he did what just now? You came from where, from the synagogue, and what was going on? It's an upside-down moment, not just for Peter, but for Peter's whole household. Because here is a master, a rabbi, a teacher of the law, who preaches as though he wrote it, for he did. He comes into his home and immediately heals on, by the way, the Sabbath day by merely touching his mother-in-law, whom one could argue would be in an unclean state in the Old Covenant. But notice that Jesus is not wasting any time, not wasting any thought. Jesus is just going and doing what Jesus does because he's the God who loves us. He's God, the Son, who cares for us. Jesus doesn't even waste his breath. He doesn't even pray for this miracle. He doesn't perform any special ritual. He doesn't get a washing of hands. He doesn't spit in his hands and put hands on her. He merely wills her healing by going to her immediately, touching her and lifting her up. The fever is gone. It's done. It's finished. Can you imagine the reaction of Simon Peter's neighbors when they are hearing the news being relayed to them? as you can imagine, such good news travels fast, especially in this little small town. And you don't even need to imagine because Mark tells us, he picks up in verse 32, that evening at sundown, they brought him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. I don't think that's even exaggerating. Based on what we think on the population at that time, it's quite easy for a crowd of several hundred or even a few thousand to be there at the door of Peter. And he healed many of them who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he, Jesus, would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. It's incredible, isn't it? The people of God, they hear this good news. And they still don't want to break the commandment of God of don't do any work on the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath holy. And so they even wait until evening of the Sabbath day, which is considered a new day by the Jewish reckoning, remember. And then they flood Simon Peter's home. They come to his door with all those who are sick, all those who are ill, all those who are demon-possessed, who are unclean under the old covenant, who cannot be touched without offering a ritual sacrifice or at least a ritual cleansing. They all come and flock to Jesus, and he touches them. He heals them. There's no if you do this, then I'll heal you. There's no if and then. It's all grace. God himself visits this town and just heals people. He doesn't care where they are. Where are you in the walk with God? When was the last time you prayed? When was the last time that you visited synagogue? Were you there this morning when I was teaching? None of that. He just gives grace. In this short passage, it stresses two times The demons are cast out by Jesus, and again, he refuses them even the ability to speak, even the ability to reveal who he is. Jesus is fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. Back in Isaiah 53, 4, where it's recorded, Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. But the same Jesus who went into the baptismal waters just earlier this month and took on all of our sin because we go down dirty and come up clean. He goes down clean and takes up our sin, coming out unclean, bearing all of our sins. He also bears our infirmities and our sickness and our diseases. He touches and he heals. He takes what is unclean and he makes it clean. And if Peter wasn't thinking it before, he was probably surely thinking it by now. Who is this man that I'm following? Who is this man who called me? And I went after him because no rabbi has called me. They passed me by. Was just a dirty fisherman. And yet this one called me. My brother Andrew, he thinks this is the one that John the Baptist is calling. He's more than mere Messiah. He's more than King David's son, the rightful heir to the throne. He is God with us. And he is overcoming this evil age and its satanic oppression by touching and taking upon himself, taking on the illness, taking on the sickness, taking on our sins, and even taking on the death that is wrought in this fallen world. Peter, he goes from follower of Christ to experiencing firsthand the healing Christ that he brings wherever his presence is found. And wherever Christ's presence is found, there is always the heralding, the proclaiming of good news, that God's kingdom is reigning on this earth. God's reign is here. And now, what does Peter see? And now, what is Peter experiencing? Not only the healing of his mother-in-law, but now he's ground zero. As Jesus is now attracting Hundreds, if not even a thousand, of people lining up outside his home for a chance to see Jesus so they may be healed. Yet let's shift perspectives for a moment. Let's turn to Jesus. How does our Lord react to all that's happened so far in the very beginning of his ministry? We're just 24 hours into his ministry, roughly. Take a look at how Jesus humbly responds to this breakthrough in the beginning of his public ministry instead of instigating a revolution or a revolt jesus does something that we often forget to do he prays he prays in mark 125 to mark 135 let's listen in rising very early in the morning while it's still dark he jesus departed and went out to a desolate place and there he and Simon, and Simon Peter, and those who are with him, the disciples are searching for him. They found him, and they said to him, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, and casting out demons. This short discourse between Simon Peter and the disciples shows that Peter and the disciples still don't don't get it. Everyone's out here looking for you. Come on, come on back. Let's let's do it again. That was amazing. Let's, Let's do this one more time. But Jesus does not embrace the opportunity for popularity or for fame to promote himself, to bring more greatness to his name. Instead, he's always focusing. Jesus is always focusing on his mission to glorify God the Father. And how does he do so? He says that his mission is to Preach, to preach. Jesus' focus on glorifying God the Father is done by going out in the wee hours of the morning. Isolated, where he can find privacy, where he can pray to the Father. Because as he tells us, let us go to the next house. The mission is to go, to keep going. I've been here long enough. Let us go. Why? That I may preach there also. That's why I came. And where there's the preaching of God, where there's the preaching of the word, where there's the preaching of Jesus, he also casts out those demons, driving out Satan's false kingdom and bringing in the reign of God's kingdom. Do you seek out God as Jesus does? Do you search for the quiet places, the silent spaces that are so hard to find in this life so that you can have a word? with the Lord he's listening and he's ever-present no matter where we are he's always there but alas far too often the only time we turn to God truly turn to him truly pour out our hearts is when we're ill when we're sick when we're troubled by sin or in some sort of trouble of our own making to be quite honest we're more often than not we're like Simon Peter and the other disciples Constantly trying to tell Jesus what he should do. Everyone's looking for you. But that's not the message. The message is not everyone's looking for you, so come back and do more of those miracles. The message is an actual message, an actual speaking, an actual news that must be delivered that the reign of God is near. It's not just for another healing or another miracle. It's not for another temporary feeding and ignoring the permanent solution that Christ is bringing is through his word, his message, his gospel. But as Jesus tells Peter, and he's telling us here today as well, leave the crowds. Do not seek out self-glory, but instead remain committed to the mission. <clears throat> Jesus has spent quite some time in Peter's hometown. He had preached, he has taught in the synagogue, he has healed, He has cast out demons, and yet he tells his disciples, let us go to the next towns. Because there is much work to be done there. There are people who have hunger and need to be fed, not just with a physical feeding, but with a feeding of the spirit and of the soul, a feeding that will be eternal, a well that will never run dry, as he tells a Samaritan woman later in his ministry. So when we ask ourselves, what is the mission? What is Christ's work? Why has Christ come to visit his people? Why did Christ, why did God himself become man? It's explained in verse 38, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. This is the purpose of Jesus coming to us as God and man in flesh. His preaching, the preaching of the word of God from the very mouth of the word of God is what is important. It's not always the miracles in and of themselves. For the miracles are there to steer us up, to help us to go from looking down to go to looking up at the Lord, to realize who is the one doing the healing, who is this Jesus, this Messiah, the one who is bringing and making manifest, who is epiphanying the kingdom of God is truly at hand. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, O church? The kingdom of God is truly at hand. And therefore, Mark records in verse 39 the following. He, Jesus, went into all Galilee. That's a section. That's a region. It's not a town. He went into all Galilee, to all those many towns, preaching in their synagogues. That's the priority of his mission. And casting out demons, rolling back Satan's false kingdom. For Jesus came to preach. He came to preach with the word that brings true healing to us, salvation to us, salvation from our sins. And yet we're constantly distracted with needing some personal sign. If only God would do this, or if he would only do that, or if he would perform this miracle, then that would satisfy my heart. But it won't. Our hearts are selfish. And we see this happen in Christ's ministry. The miraculous is fleeting. Physical healing does not guarantee spiritual repentance. Let me repeat that. Physical healing does not guarantee spiritual repentance. Because we will see later on in Jesus' ministry that after he heals ten lepers, only one returns and gives thanks. And what does our Lord say? Whether or not ten that were healed and only one has returned? Today is World Mission Sunday. It's a day in which we pray and we ask God, how are we called to serve Him? How are we called to serve Him? And the mission and the call is the same. Preach Jesus Christ's gospel. God's reign is here through Christ Jesus our Lord. Satan's rule and reign is diminished and broken because God sent His Son, His only Son, to be enthroned upon the cross of all things. And there to defeat Satan, to destroy his tyranny, to abolish sin sting, and to destroy death's grip. And we are being urged by Christ, by his spirit specifically right now, to respond to this gospel respond to this good news that God reigns when God's Son is hung upon the cross. God reigns when God the Son receives all the suffering that we should receive. That God reigns when God the Son destroys death, mocks Satan, mocks sin through his own death, and then steps out the tomb three days later, showing that death has nothing on me. Sin owes me nothing. I have conquered it. I have destroyed it. And you are free. So live like we're free. Live like we're free, O oh church. Live like we belong. We've been joined in our baptisms to Christ's mission. We were bought from death in order to live as faithful servants today, tomorrow and forever. And we don't serve an unsympathetic master. We serve the great physician. We serve the divine healer who was wounded in our place, suffered in our place, took on all that makes us broken and brittle. And he died, not because he was infected, because he cleanses us by taking on our infection through his death and resurrection. And he could have done it in any way he so chose. And instead, our God is the suffering God. He suffers with us and for us to cleanse us. He knows our pains. He knows our trials. And he loves us and dies for us. We serve the one who, when he was asked by a leper in verse 40 in chapter 1, when this leper came and says, "Will you will to make me clean. Jesus is moved with pity. That's our God. Our God is moved with pity. And so he stretched out his hand. And the clean God touches the unclean and infectious leper and says to him, I will be clean. And immediately, Mark records in verse 42, the leprosy left him. That leper was made clean. The leper was cleansed. The leper was made new. The leper was born again. And you know what's amazing? Is that Jesus tells this man, keep it quiet. So Jesus can avoid the situation in Peter's hometown at the beginning of this passage, surrounded by crowds, unable to preach that main mission. But you know what the reborn leper did? Out of his excitement, out of his zeal for Jesus healing him, he goes and tells everyone about Jesus. He can't contain himself. He tells Jesus, He tells everyone about who Jesus is and what he has done. And Jesus is quickly swamped by people seeking healing again. And before you go off and you scoff about the leper, as I once did, for disobeying Jesus, for he did disobey Jesus, just stop for a moment and think about this. The leper certainly disobeyed Jesus. He didn't keep it to himself, simply go make the sign required in the Old Covenant. He went and told everyone about what good news had happened. He made it quite difficult for Jesus to preach in these cities. as more coming out for healing. And from now on, Mark records, Jesus is having to preach outside the cities. And people are flocking into him in the desolate places where he liked to go and pray. Remember, just a few verses ago. And they're seeking the healing. But look for me, just a moment, at the faith of this leper at the end of Mark 1. Because it's a perfect picture of who we are. Imperfect followers of Christ. The Lord tells us something and then we all go off and do the opposite thing. But at least this leper is bold in his faith. He knows it. He says it out loud for all to hear that, Lord, if you want to, you can heal me. I know it and I believe it. And Jesus is not unsympathetic to our plights. God knows and sees us and sees our suffering. And he has mercy on this leper for his faith. And he tells them, I will be clean. And it was done. It was finished. This man no longer had leprosy anymore. He was cleansed and the leper may have ignored Jesus's command. Don't tell anyone else trying to avoid another crowded situation. But at least this leper does. What we ought to do, he responds to what Jesus has done for him. He praises God and he tells others about who Jesus is and about what Jesus has done for him? What about us? Have we gone and told others about what God has done through Jesus Christ in our own lives? How Have we shared the healing that Jesus pours upon us? Some of you, even from your disease. Some of you, how Jesus has ended your addictions. Some of you have how Jesus broke your cold, dead heart when you doubted you could ever change or ever believe. I've done too much, you've told yourself. And maybe you're telling yourself that right now. I've done too much to really be loved by God. And yet he loves you. He wills. And you are made clean. It's time for us, for all of us, to speak to others about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Because what Jesus did for his people, he went out to preach and to demonstrate that truly the kingdom of God is at hand and is at their midst. And it's still in our midst, oh church. We're called into the same ministry of telling, of sharing, of having a cup of coffee with others and asking, where is God in your life? Let me tell you how God's reign has broken through my own. Because we live in a sad, cold, dark world where there is people who do not know how much God loves them and we are his messengers to go and tell them what God has done for them and did through us and did for us even despite ourselves. So go forth and respond. Praise. Share Christ Jesus like the healed leper in the name of the father, and the son, and the holy spirit. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast for this week. We're expanding our ministries at Church of the Good Shepherd and expanding our space as well in order to better accommodate our growing church family and also to minister to our children. If you feel led to give, please feel free to text the word SHARE to one 364 give Or additionally, visit us at www.goodshepherdacna.com and go over to the menu item listed donate to donate online. We appreciate any help that you can give and we hope to see you soon. Come visit us on Sundays at 9 a.m. for Bible study and at 10.30 a.m. for Sunday worship. God bless.